Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste. It's a joy to see all of you sannyasis. Everyone here is a sannyasi. Some have renounced the lower chakras, some renounced the upper. <laughs> Everyone renounces something. <laughs> They're the real renunciates. They're the ones missing out, you know. And then some renounce renunciation because they have realized the non-duality of the two. So I made a few notes before coming that I thought I would share with you and have you make some some comments on them that might be useful for the context of this evening. So, Funny already? Yeah, that's great. Uh, the, the seven clarifications of the existential dilemma, which I think uh, may be relevant to everyone here, assuming you are under the illusion that you exist. Hopefully no one here is plagued by that delusion, but just in case. Uh, what is the existential dilemma? Well, first of all, it's a very recent dilemma Existentialism as a philosophy, you know, was uh, basically born in the, uh, at least the, uh, it came to fruition in the post-war years in uh, Paris uh, with Jean-Paul Sartre and uh, his, uh, his ilk, Camus, and uh, let's see, uh, who was the other one? Uh, who was Lacan's sidekick? I forgot his name now. Uh, but in any case, uh, it started earlier, you could say, even with Nietzsche and others, who uh, Kierkegaard is sometimes considered an existentialist, but I, I think he's too religious to really belong in that category. <clears throat> but the, the point of uh, existentialism in its Sartrean form is that existence precedes essence. In fact, existence replaces essence, truthfully, because the understanding of reality was that we uh, find ourselves thrown into a situation without having any understanding of who we are or why we're here or what it's all about. And uh, the question, the dilemma of the existentialist is, should I invent myself? Or should I discover myself? Uh, 
You see, the two are very different. Now, the existentialist believes that it's not really possible to discover yourself, your essence, because you are too busy dealing with your existence in which you're clueless about your essence. So what you have to do is to invent uh, a, an identity and a purpose and uh, uh, a philosophy, if you will, which might not be existentialism, but you have to uh, invent your, uh, your paradigm, your frame of reference, or else, of course, you borrow that of the culture at large, but then you're not living authentically. You see, if you live with a borrowed perspective that you haven't fully uh, internalized or uh, authentically recognized as true, then you're, you're living in bad faith. Right? So the existential dilemma is, is how does one become authentic? So I don't know that most people any longer since the 60s are really all that concerned with the problem, uh, but it's, uh, it's still one that in some way uh, forces itself upon everyone in the let's say, the moments of a life crisis where one is really being tested, where, where one's life situation has become intolerable, uh, and uh, one recognizes that uh, either one grows or one is somehow going to be taken out by the lower death drive or by a need to become uh, more unconscious uh, in order to escape the, uh, the anguish of the existential lostness and incoherence and incapacity to uh, create or discover an authentic identity and a path forward in one's life. Uh, otherwise one stagnates or falls into quicksand and uh, enters into a, uh, a worse situation in which the crisis is decided by not deciding and then the karmic consequences of the indecision uh, determine uh, a much uh, deeper level of the abyss than one had even recognized, which is uh, the facing of the loss of existence before one had even discovered one's reality. So, okay, let's clarify this problem. So the problem is caused by an inadequate level and amount of consciousness. In order to deal with the challenges of life, one has to be free of the blind spots that an ego is going to have uh, toward its own reality as a result of not knowing its essence and therefore not having access to the resources that that essence provides 
in order to be able to overcome difficulties and to, to be able to have a clear vision of what must be done in any given situation. What is to be done is the classical question. Lenin wrote a book of that nature when he was in his existential crisis regarding Bolshevism and the future of the Russian Revolution. But it's a, it's a question that everyone must face uh, in, in many moments in life. And uh, the, the inadequacy of, uh, of one's level of consciousness will uh, result in an inability to meet the challenge of love, the challenge of organization, the challenge of perseverance, the challenge of living in truth, the challenge of having uh, the willpower to uh, face any uh, internal, external resistances, and, uh, and the power to overcome all fear. Uh, as well as, of course, the, uh, the, the, uh, the overcoming of the lack of creative intelligence and imagination that is often required in order to uh, face uh, situations that seem hopeless or uh, without a solution. So that's the, uh, the situation, but the problem problem is exacerbated because people at the ego level do not want more consciousness. Okay? Consciousness is a problem for the ego. That's why people remain in ignorance, avidya. That's why they remain uh, with uh, a repressed subconscious, the one that Freud was always so obsessed about. And the, uh, the, the ego does not want to know truths and uh, aspects of its existential situation that are too unbearable, that reveal its lack, that reveal its um, pettiness, its, uh, its inauthenticity, its um, narcissism, its... Um, perversion, it, it's, uh, it, its pathologies to itself in too clear a way. It wants to be able to project out and judge others and uh, try to remain in the clear uh, from uh, superego self-attacks as well as from uh, accurate assessments from others of, of one's uh, situation. And it wants to hide from its own consciousness because it doesn't feel like it could uh, it could make changes even if it knew the information that it doesn't want to know that instead of knowing mentally it chooses either to somatize as a physical symptom or project as a karmic symptom of suffering or in some way defer or delay dealing with that ends up uh, augmenting the negative karma that results from 
the lack of consciousness. So the ego, uh, because it is living an inauthentic existence in, and in bad faith by definition, uh, the ego at, at, at its own uh, level of identification with the body cannot escape an animalistic psychology. Okay, because the body's an animal. The body is not divine. And so one does not have access to a divinized psychology. One has access only to the animalistic uh, impulses and proddings and drives of the lower three chakras. It, it, it doesn't receive the input from the higher chakras. The, that's partly what's repressed and what's uh, unavailable. It's in the super-conscious level. It doesn't enter into consciousness. And the subconscious level doesn't enter into either. It gets acted out or acted in, in terms of a, a sickness, physical or mental, but it doesn't get processed and it doesn't get uh, released. Okay, everyone with me so far on the logic of this? Okay. So instead of authentically uh, transcending the ego, they seek a pseudo-spiritual solution to this um, imperative of inner development and growth. Because a pseudo-spiritual solution means you don't actually have to enter the superconscious and, and see accurately the whole panorama of the ugliness of the subconscious and of the ego's uh, refusal to grow out of its uh, identitarian uh, nexus with the physical organism that uh, keeps it in a, a lower level of uh, psychology in which all it can uh, choose to do is indulge its uh, desire for jouissance, for the animalistic desires of enjoyments that are the cause of bad karma and of existential difficulties. <clears throat> so uh, the, the pseudo-spiritual approach has one benefit, which is that in an immediate sense it will relieve the ego's guilt for not growing by allowing itself to believe that it is on a path of growth, but on a path that's so gradual and so usually superficial and that doesn't deal with the, the real issues in the subconscious, perhaps like a neo-advaita path in which one claims non-duality before it's been achieved and uh, voila, there's no need to do any work in order to actually get there in reality and overcome the, the dualities and the uh, internal conflicts that are necessary for non-duality to be truly realized. 
So this, uh, this uh, acceptance of, uh, of a more theoretical model that uh, produces at best a liar state or a spacing out or a, uh, a master's discourse of, uh, of enlightenment rather than uh, a true uh, release from the ego mind uh, will end up, of course, proving uh, an insufficient uh, attempt at the resolution of a problem that simply creates a further existential difficulty because of, uh, of the, uh, the added guilt for having chosen an inauthentic uh, path in the first place. And, and then you have levels of uh, subconsciously accumulating shame in addition to the guilt. point, uh, the person who is on the path, whether because they're suffering uh, enough that they're willing to, to open to this, or because their, their, their caliber of soul uh, permits them uh, the capacity to see the truth, they will recognize that, that consciousness, real consciousness, full consciousness, requires the sublimation of desire. Without the sublimation of desire, one remains in that animal psychology that does not have access to one's divine essence. And one, therefore, remains uh, a victim of the, uh, of the animal identification that uh, brings one into a dense frequency of, uh, of, of the illusion of living in an inconsistent multiplicity of a world full of paranoia-inducing objects uh, and also uh, the mirage of objects of desire that always uh, prove to uh, have dangers that one did not want to, uh, to recognize and that leads to a... Uh, usually a kind of devastation in which one recognizes finally the, uh, the weakness of one's ability to perceive reality as it is uh, because one feels that one could not stand alone in the real without uh, having the crutch of dependency upon others and therefore uh, cannot afford to leave home in a psychological sense and uh, to abandon the crutches and the identifications of the child ego and the parental superego figures in the mind and their projections externally in order to discover who one is in the real and uh, eternal bodiless sense that full consciousness alone can bring.
Okay, I'm putting four and five together because they represent the external level of the problem, which is that a healthy culture, a real culture, is based on a collective agreement that we will all sublimate our desires together and, be, and live on a non-animalistic level. Because then there can be trust, there can be a true ethics, there can be uh, a sense of justice, there can be a, uh, an agreed-upon criterion for fairness and rightness and good and uh, appropriateness and dharma in the general sense of it. And uh, this collective agreement, which used to be known as the social contract, if anybody read Rousseau uh, or, or any of the philosophers of uh, that period, of the early modern period, when there still was uh, a social contract, there still was a, a basis in the common understanding of our essential nature as transcending the ego, that we are children of God, that we pertain to a higher order than the animal order, and that uh, our obligation is to be stewards of this reality in the service of God and to uh, cherish uh, nature, to cherish the divine feminine, to cherish the, the virtues of the divine masculine and the power of protection and guardianship and, uh, and the, the uh, reverence for wisdom, for uh, divine love and truth and, and harmony, etc., etc. All of those days in which the classical virtues and the, the agreement on a commons, both that there would be common areas of, of the land that would be open to everyone regardless of any caste or class and that everyone would have the opportunity to nourish themselves and, uh, and have the freedom uh, to, to find a, a mode of being that would be able to enhance their lives and th that, uh, that everyone would be taken care of by the collective from cradle to grave, that kind of thing. That social contract was destroyed, of course, by capitalism, etc., and the, uh, the uh, etc., meaning imperialism, colonialism, and all of the other uh, side effects and consequences of the, um, the capitalist uh, revolutions, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, etc., that destroyed a corrupted aristocracy. When it wasn't corrupted and the divine right of kings was still functioning, of course, it, we were in a much higher state, it stopped functioning, the revolutions were necessary, but they were not revolutions that raised consciousness, but simply adapted to the lower level. And, and made that the new norm. But so today we are living in an extreme anti-culture where not only are we not educated to sublimate our desires, but we are taught to desublimate them. We're taught that we're not animalistic enough. And, uh, and, and, and therefore, uh, it is very difficult to make a choice of a lifestyle of, uh, of the sublimation and purification of desire when all the messages you're getting out there is that you're missing out on the enjoyments of the lower chakras and, uh, and nice guys finish last kind of thing and uh, take advantage of life to uh, have the most uh, intense perverse enjoyments possible. 
And that's basically what you see going on among the, uh, the political elites and the, the, the people uh, who are uh, determining the uh, devolution of the social order. And therefore, the, we, we live in, uh, in, in a situation that is completely upside down from anything that, uh, that has a historical precedent. And we are forced to be outsiders and outcasts because of our desire to live a virtuous life and a, and a life that actually makes sense at a higher level and that can uh, bring back truth, love, power, the light of, uh, of wisdom and harmony, etc., into the world. So uh, the, the, uh, the promotion of the desublimation by the big other of uh, society then gets internalized as a, a superego attack that happens in your mind if you choose a life of a sannyasi in the true sense, and that uh, will constantly try to drag you down until you have uh, eliminated uh, any uh, superego attachments internally and have freed yourself from whatever umbilical cords to the social order still might remain in the subconscious. And you have completely given yourself to the highest level of consciousness, which is the total sublimation of desire until there is no desire left but the desire for union with God. And that brings non-duality in the true sense. So the... So full consciousness, in which the entirety of the full spectrum of all the levels of consciousness are integrated, unified, and, and made uh, coherently ordered so that the highest governs the lowest, not the reverse, uh, creates a chain of command internally between God, the soul, and the operating ego system uh, so that a, a single unified consciousness then is able to realize itself horizontally as well as vertically. And, and then the non-duality becomes manifest, which is the avataric embodiment, and that's jivan mukti or, or liberation. It's very important that one recognize that liberation does not mean denial of uh, subconscious desires, nor suppression of them, or repression of them, nor is it uh, the uh, obsession with religious behavior, such as prayers, or counting rosary beads, or reciting mantras, or, or even meditating, okay? It's not about that. It's not, it has nothing to do with the behavioral level of your life. It has to do with the fact that you are uh, 
transcended from the egoic identity with the behavior uh, of the organism and that power of true presence is now the motivating intelligence that is operating the organism. So there's no, there's no focus upon uh, what do I do because that I no longer exists. That's what you've been liberated from. So, number seven is the recognition of the fact that now, in this historical moment, our real essential nature is reasserting itself. It's not a question of your ego choosing it, although choosing it helps it to reassert itself without resistance. Thus, there won't be any glitches or any symptoms of suffering that come with that reassertion. But the reassertion by the self of, of its uh, rights to eliminate the suffering in the world through its reappearance and revelation of its true nature is happening. And the only thing that one can determine is uh, what side are you on? Uh, are you completely surrendered to this force that is happening and that is guiding your life uh, toward opportunities that would otherwise not appear, uh, but also of existential crises that force one to make a decision? And without making that decision, the reassertion then can come in a, a, the form of a turning of the screw. And if you don't want to be screwed, uh, you, uh, you will choose the surrender to bliss. But it, that choice then requires the sublimation of all other desires that are uh, different from that of the desire for complete realization of the Supreme Being that is your essential nature. Okay, so that's the uh, existential situation we find ourselves in, and it is uh, revealing itself in, I think, a very rapid pace, including all of the implications thereof that are, are now uh, enacting themselves in a, a, a way that is writ large on a planetary scope in terms of the collapse of the current order that is not adequate to the challenges, that cannot sustain itself, that is falling, and thus it doesn't need to be opposed in any horizontal conflictive sense. It simply needs to be replaced by a higher level of coherence, of love, of unity, of uh, faithfulness to that power that is reestablishing a new order. And, uh, and that to me is the, the function and the uh, honor of all of those who are awakened to this historic reality of the moment.
Okay, so that's the context in which uh, we have an ashram and in which we are gathering this evening. Anyone have any questions or comments about this before I go on? The last one, you just mm -hmm. you're saying that's particularly now that there's a reassertion going on. <clears throat> Correct. Out of necessity, let's say. Out of God's choice. Right. So, and you said because of that, you have to take a side, some, something like that. Well, you're going to be faced with situations in which you'll have to make a decision. Yeah. It seems to me, I don't know, it seems to me too that there's something going on where because it's reasserting itself now, there's this actually a tendency where people are freaking out and becoming very mm -hmm. polarized Correct. amongst each other, like civil war kind of internally or externally. No, 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 I don't think so. That's, that's not the cause of it. The cause of the civil war situation is the schismatic nature of the ego that because it's in an animal uh, state of consciousness is completely territorial. And when it sees itself losing its territory and its power, like the U.S. is losing to Russia and China now, it becomes more aggressive. Its first reaction is always aggression. And so, so that's what we're seeing on the part of those who are not making that change, all right? They will end up destroying themselves, and then the higher power will come in and, and restore order. But it's not a, a question of, of, of the horizontal conflict causing that. The, the, I mean, the vertical conflict. The vertical conflict between ego and, and self results in a kind of anguish, uh, of, uh, of a Hamlet complex in which one cannot make the decision to be or not to be in the, in the authentic sense. And, and uh, this will, will create its own kind of a hell realm until one chooses to sublimate and completely uh, swaha all of the ego attachments and give oneself to God consciousness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, I'm looking at the second one here, mm -hmm. and do you think that people are always seeking a pseudo-spiritual solution? Because it may be that they, I don't know, choose to like move to another country or... Uh, yeah, but even that is a kind of a pseudo-spiritual solution. If you ask people why they're doing it, there's a better culture there, there's more uh, opportunities for growth, there's usually that kind of a thing. And sometimes that may not be you know, inauthentic, but uh, the question is, is, is it a choice only of the horizontal versus the vertical? So no matter where you are living, there's still the question of what are you doing with your life? What, what, is, what is your goal? And that isn't determined by where you are, right? So uh, the, the question is, though, are you going to go for some new age, you know, crystal collection or learn something that has to do simply with body work or, or a level of uh, attempt at healing that only deals with the ego uh, level of conflict and, and not the conflict between ego and self or even a ego and soul? Or are you going to deal with the conflict at the root and, and become an authentic being? So uh, sooner or later, one discovers that these other approaches don't work. And, and then what's left the last resort will be to do the real inner work that is uh, the, the, the test of the soul's capacity for truth. Because, um, sorry, just no, continuing that point, because like I think a lot of people probably go for like some form of self-improvement or something like mm -hmm. that, but I, I wonder, is inner work even available? 
to most people because oh sure of some kind there's all there's coaches everywhere and uh, and and uh, massage therapists and Reiki therapists and you name it you can get any quick fix for a pseudo enlightenment that you want and uh, and uh, you know you can find all kinds of resources online if they're not locally available so yeah that's not the issue. The issue is the recognition of what is a true path to liberation. Mm-hmm. And the, the the apparent challenge I see is like to not to not fall into the let's say the religious mm-hmm. a automatic Correct. practice, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're basically doing what you're told to not go, mm-hmm. I mean, to not suffer. And the other side, which is to to go for the for the animal nature, mm. right? So it seems that in the ego consciousness, it's like black or white, mm-hmm. in a way. Sure, Even and it's I, black and white because usually the religious practice is a cover for a hypocritical desublimation of desire behind the scenes, which then the every other ego who either is doing it themselves or projects that everyone else is doing it, has a totally cynical attitude and justifies not going up to higher consciousness because it doesn't believe that it's real or that anybody else is really doing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading early this week that um, existential was the word of the year <laughs> uh, by dictionary.com, which mm-hmm. is millions and the way they choose the word of the year is the one that has uh, most searches and oh, okay. so I mean there's a whole reasoning behind mm-hmm. how they not just the numbers but there's a series of, of um, I would say uh, considerations that they have which I don't recall off the top of my head, of my head right now okay. but what, what really interested me was that um, well, I do remember some of the considerations, of course, war, the recession, or the economic situation. Climate change was top mm. of the list. Sure. And, um, and anyways, the point is, there seems to be in the, un- the collective unconscious, I don't even know if to call it unconscious anymore, a collective conscious uh, of, the, of society that, I mean, why are people searching this word in particular? And sure. Uh, articles are using it more and more in, in, in the media uh, in reference to precisely all the crises. But, but they're not getting to the root of the crisis. What, I think what's stimulating it is this extinction rebellion that's going on, right? People know that, yes, humans will soon be extinct, along with all the other life forms that they're killing off now. But they haven't got to the point of realizing they better kill the ego. That's the only way to prevent extinction. And, and they're continuing and becoming even more egoistic in the demand for a, a social revolt uh, of a more or less violent nature, as was pointed out by Daniel here. It's that, those kinds of conflicts which are not going to enhance our existence. But yes, indeed, I think people have recognized that some of them. Uh, have come out of denial. You still see others saying, oh, there's no real climate issue and there's no issue of uh, various other sorts, and they deny how close we are to nuclear war and all of that, or or financial collapse. But more and more people are realizing uh, we're on the brink of the precipice. Yeah. 
The second runner-up was non-binary. Non-binary, ah, oh, well, yes. But obviously referring to the sexual, let's say, inclinations or tendencies. Sure, but you know, they are just as binary. In fact, they're more binary today. Uh, it's just that people want to be able to choose which side of the binary they're on, as if gender is just a construct and has nothing to do with anatomy. Mm -hmm. Uh, but th then the question really is, and it is an existential question, if somebody who is anatomically male decides that he is now female and, and acts that part, is he really a female? Is he really entitled to be a she? Is female subjectivity really accessible to someone in a male body? And I frankly believe that men, and I'm talking about males now, anatomic males, cannot understand women, okay? And, and I mean anatomic females. They have different psychologies. How many men agree with that? You do not understand women, right? I, I mean, you're not honest if you... So there is a binary between the, the masculine and feminine, whether it's transgendered uh, a pseudo uh, uh, performance or it's, uh, it, it's the authentic kind, but it cannot, that binary is not going to be eliminated because it, it is the impulse that motivates one's behavior more than any other binary. The attempt to try to create wholeness instead of the lack that any gender choice or, or recognition produces, which creates an electromagnetic relationship to all of those in the opposite gender, and that produces a field in which desire is a reality. And then you have to deal with it, whether you are hetero or homosexual or transgendered, which involves uh, that in some way, whether, regardless of that, you are living in a binary situation in which desire is an existential reality. And it's a reality that is produced by a mystery. And that mystery cannot be resolved except uh, through the sublimation of desire. It will never be satisfied at that level because it is a mystery because it is still a fictional aspect of maya, of unreality. Even though the, the uh, subjectivity of the feminine and that of the masculine are, uh, are determined by those forces that are biological and that are, uh, let's say, uh, uh, part of the, the, the collective sanskaras of the noosphere that are not changeable or knowable at the level of the ego, the, uh, the impulse uh, toward union and, uh, and the fulfillment of the, the sense of lack cannot be overcome except with the sublimation of desire so that the wholeness, by reaching union with that which is the source of this derivative binary, is reached, and therefore not any longer, um, let's say, projected into the external horizontal phenomenal plane, right? So uh, I don't, so the problem that that is, uh, uh, anguishing most uh, humans at the ego level uh, cannot, be, uh, cannot be resolved. 
and and most uh, beings are are boomeranging. They can't they they can't either uh, live uh, the man can't live with a woman or without her, and usually vice versa. And the uh, the resolution to that problem is not to be found in. Uh, in the ego level, and this is why the social contract, in order to create stability of families and of the social system, did require that that sublimation. Now, uh, society is unsustainable because there is no uh, durable bonding between man and woman or uh, parenting of children. And, uh, and because of that, you, you get the results of people being brought up in broken homes that result in bro broken psyches that, uh, that are very difficult to heal in adulthood. Do you want to add anything more? Yeah, I wanted to ask you a final question. Couldn't this non-binary, what struck me the most of this word was that in a way binary means duality. Yes. So non-binary being the second run, like the runner-up, wouldn't that also be that unconsciously or in the collective unconscious, there is that desire to re return to the non-duality? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's expressed. It's yes, expressed but again, it's right? a pseudo-spiritual approach. Yes. It's not going to get you there. And it's completely devolved from its original, sure. say, highest. Sure, and because it's, it's being lived out at an animal level, the body has its own say, and you, at a certain point, you can't deny real one fact of uh, of anatomical difference, whether that creates a gender difference at a psychological level or not. It does create a difference that can't be overcome, even through surgery. It's not going to work. So we have a lot of people destroyed by the pseudo uh, medical. Uh, efforts that I think are unconscionable, in, in which uh, the, the the medical establishment goes along with this and uh, and gives surgery to even prepubescent uh, people who are way too young to try to make that uh, choice, and it's it's almost forced on them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Used the term extinction rebellion. Does mm -hmm. that something? I think that's Greta Thunberg's thing. You know, no, isn't that? No, it's, it's called something like that. It's another group. She's not in that. Oh, group. she's not in that one. They're they're at there's war. There's another group. It's, uh, it's called extinction rebellion. Yeah. It's just, they're revolting against the climate, not not doing anything about climate yeah. change. Okay, but she's not involved with that one. Huh? Okay, that's good to know. I don't keep up with the politics of it that closely. Uh, anyone else? I'm wondering about, the, you mentioned that it's not done on the uh, level of behavior. Uh -huh. I think that seems like my mind always comes back to that, like it needs to be something behavioral. It needs to be something that I do, like what do I do, how do I do? Atma vichara, that's what you do, which means you find out who you are, because the ego is not the doer, you don't do anything. And so when you understand what are the factors and forces that are taking away your free will to do anything other than uh, act from an egoic level, then you will get the power that enables uh, a different doing to happen that will not come from the illusion of a separate I. It will come from that intelligence of the unitive whole and therefore without desire or fear or 
any kind of deviation from what is true and good and, and right. Okay. Um, the uh, healthy culture is a culture of sublimation. Uh -huh. Reminds me of when we read um, The End of Dissatisfaction. Ah, uh, right. And it was a culture of prohibition. Yeah. And what Radhamal was saying at that time was right. that a culture of prohibition would be healthy, but no, what we're actually doing here is not a culture of prohibition, but a culture of sublimation, and that's yeah. a true healthy um, uh, approach. And I'm wondering, is there, can sublimation be, can you achieve sublimation without prohibition? Do you have to prohibit in order to sublimate? No, uh, I, I think the, that's the whole point, is that if you try to prohibit, Without sublimation, you end up with, in the situation the Catholic Church is in. And, you know, the priests are prohibited from having sex, but they're having it, right? And with kids, boys and girls. So it's a disaster to prohibit without the teaching how to sublimate. And it won't work. It's not sustainable. And, and you see that in all kinds of religious and so-called spiritual communities. They do not last. Uh, if they don't uh, ha ha teach people how to process the resistances of the ego and, uh, and the uh, superego that w wants to be a, a prohibitive, attacking, moral, uh, you know, uh, dictator that keeps one feeling like a moral failure if uh, they have thoughts that they, they shouldn't have, that kind of thing. And I don't think putting, uh, putting this process of self-education into the frame of reference of moral failure is of any value whatsoever. It's a, it's a matter of course correction and learning and growing that will happen in a very natural way if you're open to becoming more intelligent and more empowered and more uh, uh, in touch with the, the source of your own being. And, and I think that motivation, rather than you'd better do good and right, that kind of thing, uh, you'll go to hell and you're a sinner, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's of any use and counterproductive at best. So uh, it, it has to be done on the basis of maturity of knowledge and understanding of why this is so important for your own happiness, not because you should, right? Uh, so it won't, it won't stand, but I also think that you cannot have a successful, long-lasting community that does not insist on the sublimation of desire. They will always end up with a, uh, uh, schisms, divorces, cliques, all kinds of problems that will destroy a community. So somehow, you have to create a community in which uh, so long as there is ego present, and that has to be faced, you can uh, allow the, uh, the relationality of love to, uh, to be uh, sanctified, as we do here with brahmachari marriages. You make it sacred 
and you make the attainment of an enduring love relationship that is a sublimated form of desire uh, uh, become so uh, beautiful and so peaceful that one would not want to go back into a life in which you would soon feel dependency, fall into infantile ways of relating, there would be anger when you didn't get the sex you wanted, there would be, right? Well, you know all of the consequences and sequelae of desublimation. And I think because of that, we have a group that is uh, mature enough and adult enough to be able to engage in that relationship and through mutual sublimation is able to reach a point of internal solitude in the context of uh, a brahmachari relation. But if you don't permit that, then I think the, uh, for some at least, not for everyone, but for some, the, uh, the, the capacity uh, to sustain a, the drive for, for uh, reaching full consciousness without uh, having the support of someone who is uh, an object of love uh, to uh, to accompany one on this journey of guardianship of the internal solitude of each other's true nature, and and uh, therefore I think it's a kind of compromise formation that enables uh, those who are uh, in that that modality or they have that karmic. Uh, uh, let's say, trajectory that needs to be completed th that way to be able to do it in a healthy sublimatory mode and not to fall into desublimation. But I don't think that's even possible in most communities that don't do the processing and, and have the context and the understanding of the nuances of the resistance of the ego to be able to have the ammunition to win the battle. But in other, uh, in other uh, communities that I'm aware of, uh, the, the love relationship, sexual relationship to be exact, between um, uh, members of a couple create a, a rupture of loyalty to the community. When you get two people bonding together, they want to separate from the world and have their own private world and then to hell with the community, you see. The whole, the whole uh, uh, development of um, erotic love that came in the 12th century with the troubadours and Tristan and Isolde and, and all of those mythical developments along with uh, the, uh, the, the shift in the social order created a rupture because love uh, superseded law, right? Love doesn't give a damn. Like with Tristan and Isolde, Tristan said, I don't care if they kill me for it, and I don't even care if I go to hell forever for it, I'm going to do it, right? And so that, that kind of irresistible impulse that, that, that Chakra 2 presents to the ego creates an almost unbeatable kind of, of drive toward uh, the, the uh, destruction of, of one's attempt to grow uh, to the transcendence of the ego. And if we cannot overcome the lower death drive that is actually what's operating within chakra two, uh, we, will, we won't be able to succeed in regaining our divine nature. 
So this is the main uh, waterfall that the salmon has to leap over to be able to get to its true spawning ground of divinity. And if it can't make that leap, uh, it's lost. And, and so the understanding of the urgency of that and of the forces that are at work without having a very mature and open and transparent understanding of it and the stakes that, that we are playing for and the, the consequences, not in terms of moral failure, but in terms of karma, uh, are, are something that need to be understood by a very mature intelligence. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, just going off of your answer to Hanuman's question about how it's not a behavioral shift, it's a, it's a uh, acknowledgement that your behavior is from the ego. Mm -hmm. So I, I hear that as kind of the idea of the non-doer or the witness. How do you balance that with some of these choices that you're talking about that we need to make, these choices to renunciate or these choices of which death drive we're going to go to. How do you kind of make these choices while also acknowledging that you're not the doer? Well, at the level of uh, the ego, you do have the free will to make certain choices. And those choices are either to cut the umbilical cords that keep you from having an authentic existence in which the, the, the real power of consciousness is able to operate your, your organism, or the, uh, the, uh, the uh, remaining in a state of dependency and of, of a false consciousness. We do have the free will to make that choice, and it requires a cut with uh, all of our uh, comfort zones of uh, egoic uh, living in, uh, in a more superficial way, uh, getting the approval of others who are doing the same. So it's a kind of a collusion of egos. Once you recognize that that's going on, you do have the power to then surrender to that force that can overcome the inertia and, uh, and rigidity of the ego. And, and be able to make those choices. Therefore, the only thing you can do is to ask the question of who am I and discover the consciousness that is undefined by ego, by name, by form, by, by any of the contents of consciousness. And that because it has not been subsumed into the known, it remains the unknown, and it remains the only force that is truly not subject to law. It, it is a power of presence that can overcome the, the laws of the society, the laws of the family system, the laws of the social system, even of the, of the laws of nature at the highest level. And, and that power then will give one sovereignty over the mind. So the, the real doer is that sovereign power. And uh, because you really are that at heart, when you're clear of the false identity and the leashes that other people have on you, you, you have uh, access to it. And your, uh, your aspiration to surrender will bring the shakti or the power that gives you the will to keep going toward more and more sublimation. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti podcast. For more information on programs and retreats, click on the calendar section of our website, www.satyoga.org. 
Our work is made possible by the generous support of our listeners, viewers, and members. To make a donation, please visit the donate page of our website. We thank you for your support in our mission to share this timeless wisdom with the world. Namaste.